Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscato Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Bucks spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bello. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones. The game winner got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, another edition of Sandos and the Sidekick. Good Thursday to you. That means ETSU men's and women's basketball action tonight. No radio coverage of the women. because They play well, give or take, about the same time as the men's action tonight. But both games will be televised on the ESPN family of networks. We'll preview both those to start things. We'll talk to J.J. German in the third segment and four quarters to wrap things up here on Thursday's show. We'll start men's basketball and ETSU on the road against the Sanford Bulldogs. Been a up-and-down season for the Bulldogs, to say the least, but they're coming off one of the more, more improbable wins of the season, Mike Gallagher. Yeah, and if it wasn't for that win, they would have lost eight of their previous ten, but against Furman being down as they were in front of the 2,300 at the Paladins' home, uh, pick up the 75-73 to victory, erasing that big deficit late that was double digits, and we mentioned it on the show Tuesday, you could have easily been demoralized and looked at the conference season so far if you were in a Sanford Bulldog uniform and said, you know, I think this year just isn't our year. Eight-point loss to UNCG, overtime loss to DTSU, seven-point loss to Western Carolina. That one, of course, really hurts. At Chattanooga, lost by five, lost by six against Mercer. And then Storm Murphy sticks the dagger in, twists the knife, and what I think would have been for a lesser team, a season-ender, essentially. Mail it in, pack it up, because these next five weeks, I, I don't have any motivation to go back on the court anymore because you've had so many close losses, and to lose a game in the fashion that they did in overtime at Waffle 107-106, I'm not sure there's any coming back for that for a lot of teams, but it was just two days later, 48 hours, and they erase a 10-point deficit with right around three minutes to go, and Furman, uh, the victim of that 10-point deficit, being erased to 75-73 win for uh, Sanford. So, uh, yeah, th- this is going to be another close game. This team does not play uh, blowouts one way or another, really, Sanford. Uh, they rely heavily on the top six, I suppose you'd say. Their starters, Sharky Guerrero, Austin Gordon, Allen, and then Kavion Nolan, who is playing like 20 minutes a game, but no one else plays more than 12, which is why I think you saw in the first game, Jay, the discrepancy in where points came from. Yeah, the starters for Sanford, four were in double figures, and ETSU only had 30 points combined from their starters. Only Jerome Rodriguez in double figures, but points off the bench, 51-5. to five. The depth of ETSU with Kayvon Tucker, Milad Narmus, and Trey Boyd. Boyd specifically that day, 22 points. Yeah, it was on 21 shots, but also had three assists, two rebounds. Did a lot for ETSU, and when your starters don't have it, 
like Sanford, some days will not. Granted, it seemed like most of the time they've been able to carry the load, but as you get later into the season, you know, Sanford's gotten a little bit fortunate, I think, with injuries. You know, the starters have, aside from uh, two games of the combined 110 that they were possible to start. They played 22, you know, times 510. Only Brandon Austin and Robert Allen have not started all 22, and they've missed only one game. They've been kind of fortunate with missing injuries or guys just randomly missing time with whatever the uh, ailment or uh, infringement, impactment may be of the reason they could not play. They've been healthy. Uh, they've been solid. They've not been able to get over the hump, really. But, yeah, they're going to be loaded with confidence, I'm sure, after erasing that deficit against Furman. Well, no, the one thing – I. I think, considering the fact they lost so much, three guys transferred up, you know, went to Louisville, NC State, and Arizona, respectively. There were so many question marks, and for Coach Pageant to be able to reload, and it helps to have a guy like Josh Sharkey. I, I think he's the most dynamic guy in the league because of just how hard he plays. He leads the league in assists, I believe, with 165. I know he's if he's not first, he's second in steals. And then he scores. I mean, he really can can do a lot of different things. He can find his own points. He can assist on points. He just, uh, you know, he had 14 against ETSU assists. That was his career high, which he's since bested with 16 assists in a game. And I want to say his last three games, he's averaging uh, 13 over 13 assists per contest. So he's had, you know, three straight double doubles uh, with assists and points. And then I think the other thing that that's helped out a lot is the scoring. Uh, that has helped out from Robert Allen in his last three games. He's averaging almost 17 points per contest. So he's come on as of late to add a different score. I think Guerrero's a solid guy inside the South Florida transfer. So they're very dangerous, and they just don't give up. That's the thing that amazes me. No matter what has happened, they seem to be continually to claw their way back into games if need be. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it'll be a tough, tough contest. It's one of the four teams that Steve Forbes has not lost to in the Sanford Bulldogs. They've only won one time, which was a game-winning three at ETSU. But if you look at the series history between the two teams, it's generally a four- or five-point game. They've played, I think, four now overtime games, and I think one of those was a double overtime game. So they've had some tight contests coming down. There's been three buzzer beaters as well between the two teams. I expect it to be a close game. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, statistically, there's a lot of categories where Sanford and ETSU uh, look pretty similar, but one category in which they don't is the play inside, and ETSU really gouged Sanford in the first matchup, 48 rebounds to 31, and 18 of those were offensive for the Bucks, which led to 22 second-chance points to just two for the Bulldogs. So I think as the game goes along, you see Sanford do some pretty incredible things late on in contests, even against ETSU in that first matchup, erasing that 17-point lead. But when you give up so many second chances, and ETSU is so good inside, with Jerome Rodriguez had 19 rebounds that game, a lot of had 17, two guys that can do that on the glass. When Sanford, your uh, biggest player is, uh, well, he's not a player at all. He's standing on your bench, you know, uh, leading you as your head coach. Um, it, it's going to be difficult, you know. It's going to be difficult when you have a team that excels in one area, much like ETSU does, and a Sanford team that on the season is right about even in terms of rebounds. Uh, they're averaging, you know, 36 per game, where opponents are averaging just below that. And ETSU is like plus 14 still. So both teams can score. Both teams do things well on the offensive end. You mentioned Josh Sharkey, great facilitator in conference plays, averaging 10 assists per game. But 
this is a game that ETSU, of the upcoming four, I think you would pinpoint as the one you have to have, the one that is kind of, I don't want to say inexcusable, because all four of these coming up are very difficult, Sanford, Chattanooga, Wofford, and, and Furman. They're all going to be tough games, but of those four, I think that this is the most winnable. I think Chattanooga has improved a lot since ETSU beat them early in the season, and you're going to have to go to the roundhouse. And granted, last year you dominated there, uh, but you know Chattanooga still above 500, have a lot to play for. Will have revenge on their minds. Yeah, and it's easy to look past. You know, uh, the one thing these players, you know, they still don't understand rivalries, right? I think they got a little bit indoctrinated in the UNCG one, but I don't think they're looking at Chattanooga the way other teams have looked at Chattanooga. And so I think that's probably a good thing. Otherwise, you could certainly see how the players could look past Sanford to get ready for Chattanooga. But I think beating Chattanooga by a lot and struggling to get by Sanford in overtime hopefully keeps the focus where it should be, which is your first of two games in the Sanford Bulldogs. You know, I, you mentioned the 36 rebounds. That was something I don't know that I remember two guys combining for that. I mean, 23 points, 36 rebounds from your two post players is, is pretty doggone good right so i think that was impressive i thought the bucks uh, although points off turnovers as the game went along favored sanford but i thought the bucks did a good job early capitalized points off turnovers jumping out to that big lead they shot 60 percent in the first half at etsu but just 30 percent in the second half yeah and i'm overlooking ruben guerrero but he is a legit seven footer 240 pounds and he had a good game 16 points and eight rebounds but i think it's so easy to have him lost in the shuffle when armis and rodriguez are doing what they did, and they're both, you know, in Jeromey Rodriguez's case, he's outsized by uh, more than a couple of inches. Malad Narmus maybe gives away an inch or two to Guerrero, but yeah, they've got the legit seven-footer inside. I know Steve Forbes had some nice things to say about Ruben Guerrero on the coaches show, and he's definitely backed up the kind words. I mean, he's been very good. He's their second-leading scorer. He's averaging 14 points per game and eight rebounds, so he did pretty much what he's done the whole season against DTSU, but it just did not seem to matter when it came to the game in the paint the first time the two teams met. I wonder if Scott Padgett will try and devise some things to change how the game went down low. That's one of the beauties of playing teams twice in league play where uh, there's some um, conferences that don't have that opportunity uh, because they are so massive or, or in some other sports you see conferences being um, with just how the schedule's laid out just not able to do that but I think on the turnaround after that first game, it is going to be maybe a bit more of a game of adjustments, not in-game necessarily, but from that first matchup. So we'll see how Scott Padgett is able to fare, knowing that his team, while they did go back and force overtime after being down by 17 early in the second half, it did get beat up in some certain areas. Last point I'll make, uh, free throw shooting. The Bucks in regulation were 6 of 15 from the line. Now they did go 6 of 6. In overtime, so they got over 50% for the game at 57%, but still very disturbing trend considering the last two games, ETSU has been 50% uh, from the floor, so they, they are from the free throw line. I think that's going to be an issue if they don't shore it up soon. That is going to cost them a basketball game. It hasn't yet, but it certainly will down the road. And, and unfortunately, it would in a big, crucial game. And that's the old adage, right? If you don't shoot the ball well in the easy spots in the court, specifically the free throw line, when you need to ice a game, when teams are trying to extend because they know that you are not the best free throw shooting team, when they're trying to get back into a contest, if you don't hit those, you can't trade one point for two or three points on the other end if the team is really in comeback mode and hitting their shots. So, And Steve Forbes knows it. You know it. I mean, there's been times late in games where ETSU has been good from the line 
and there's been times where they haven't been uh, so solid at the free throw stripe. So, yeah, definitely. And that's just, you know, sometimes getting in the gym and putting some extra shots up when it comes to free throws. That'll do it for our preview of men's basketball tonight. Don't forget I'll have coverage of that 7 o'clock pregame show, 730 is when that game will tip between ETSU and the Sanford Bulldogs. Tonight, though, the women's basketball team back in Brooks Gym against UNCG. We'll give you that preview on Sandos and the sidekick right after this time. Out there with Van Wagner on the Buccaneers. Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecues, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. I smell the newest Jumbo One with a chance at a $4 million top prize. It's so big, you can play both sides. Jumbo Bucks 300X. Good news, you don't need magic beans to meet this giant. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing, giant-sized fun. Please play responsibly. Sandos and Azad get back with you. Second segment here on Thursday. We'll break down tonight's contest inside Brooks Gym. It's the UNCG Spartans and your ETSU women's basketball squad for Brittany Zell. The women's team, and really it's a jumble if you look at the Southern Conference standings. Mercer all alone at 5-0, and followed by Chat at 4-1. and Furman at 3-2, and and then a host of schools. Wofford, UNCG, Sanford, and your Buccaneers all at 2-3. and And Western bringing up the rear at 0 and 4 and if you look at the schedule and the wins losses for UNCG in league play loss at Furman at Wofford Mercer they've beaten one point Sanford and then uh, blew out Western Carolina so 
uh, kind of see the middle of the pack. They played some uh, really tight game firm and tight game Sanford. Wofford beat them pretty handily, 93-66. Mercer, as you would expect, as they lead the league, won pretty uh, easily as well. But UNCG coming to free, uh, not Freedom Hall, coming to Brooks Gym, that's where ETSU has had their best success this season. Yeah, they're 4-4 four and four at home and 0-13 oh and away from Brooks Gym. Obviously have had their struggles and the long amounts of travel that they've had to do, the top-level opponents that they've had to play away from Brooks Gym. You know, they've had the South Carolinas, the Rutgers, Western Kentuckys. You know, there's been Tennessees. I mean, it's one after another. Michigan State, Cincinnati, I mean, you can go on and on where at home ETSU certainly has had some tough opponents, and they've, they could be better off at home for that matter. Houston, that was a close game. Liberty, that was a three-point loss where they had some chances to win late. You know, Troy, they were up 69-66 to before the Trojans went on an 18 to nothing run to finish the game, or perhaps it was 69-66 Troy, and it was a 15 nothing run to finish the game, something like that. But it was a three-point game one way or another coming out of that last media timeout when Troy just exploded. So it's been a tough season. There's no question about that as of now, 4-17. and But three straight games at home, UNCG, Western Carolina, Chattanooga. You mentioned that Western has brought up the rear in the Southern Conference seemingly for the last number of seasons that I can remember. But that's the middle of the three games at Brooks Gym. And so to get this first one against UNCG is huge because then you're back to 500 in the league. You've got Western who... I don't like to look past anyone, right? But Western Carolina is a team that consistently loses by 25 or 30 points pretty much to anyone else in the conference. UNCG is not going to be easy. You know, Nadine Solomon is averaging 19 points and eight rebounds per game, leading the league in scoring. Tasia Twitty is also in double figures, and she's averaging seven rebounds a game. Asia Boyd is averaging seven rebounds a game. It's a good rebounding team, plus four and a half on the board this season. And you've got the facilitator in Alexis Pitchford, too, who's uh, got 80 assists this year, averaging four per contest, which is a top-five mark in the SOCON also. So UNCG at Brooks Gym, you're going to have another good crowd. I don't think there's anything that would stand in the way of people coming out to cheer on the ETSU women's basketball team. Coach Zell has talked about it pregame, postgame, you know, all the time. You know, thankful to those fans because this has been a season that resembles her first year where it was a slog, you know, difficult to get on track. And, of course, four good seasons followed that, um, going to two Southern Conference championship games, a couple of WNITs. And this season is just taken a turn that you didn't expect because ETSU was projected as a top two team in the SOCON regardless of where you looked but Erica Haynes Overton I think needs to come out and be aggressive uh, be smart with the basketball but also get her shots up in the first half because she's only taken 19 in this calendar year in the first half I think ETSU needs to get some production out of their bigs and consistent minutes as well one of the things that Coach Azell has done this year I think it's very interesting compared to how other teams do it in the league the first foul someone picks up, immediately they're removed from the game. So doesn't matter who it is. You pick up a foul early, you're out until whenever Coach Zell decides to put you back in. I think that's just to guard the players against picking up that second foul and having to sit the rest of the first half. But it is interesting how that affects chemistry on the floor. You know, if the players can stay out of foul trouble, because I think Coach Zell is pretty set in the ways of, you know, that first foul and you're out. If you can stay out of foul trouble, keep the same five on the floor for the first four or five minutes of the game, I think that will do wonders for ETSU getting off to a strong start against UNCG, who they also play late in the season, last game of the regular season down 
in Greensboro. This is a UNCG team I think a lot of people picture as a middle-of-the-pack club along with Furman, perhaps Wofford, uh, ETSU, if they can rebound, climb up into that echelon of Mercer and Chattanooga this year. And then, of course, you got Western Carolina at the bottom, as you said. Uh, I think that that will help in this contest to have some continuity out there in the first five or six minutes. What, what was the stat ETSU at home scoring? It's 77 points per game. And so that, away, they're down to 58 points that, per game. That's, that's an easy step for me. First of all, UNCG's 0-9 away from their place. Yep. Okay. Second thing, they've only scored six times in the 70s. Three against Division One. They played four non-D1s, yeah. by the way. Four. I didn't even think that was legal. But they played four non-Division One teams. Uh, they did win all of those. So if you start to look at the record, um, which you would assume they'd win all of those, they're really four and 12 against Division One opponents. Now, three of those four non-D1s, they scored 70. That means three against division ones. One, they needed overtime to get to 70. And in league play, they've only scored 70 once, which was a win against Western Carolina, which we've documented as just not having a very good year, to say the least. So, to me, it's pretty simple math. You get to 70, I don't know how in the world UNCG is even in the game. Yeah, and you look at those games. I mean, Pfeiffer, 92-23. to Young Harris, 62-29. to UNC Pembroke. 72 to 32. I mean, these, these aren't yeah, and games. And Lee's McRae, 92-36. These aren't, I mean. these aren't games. You know, so, f- yeah, four of those wins, take them away four and 12. I, I 100% agree with you. And much like, you know, ETSU, they've had their struggles away from their home court. And, and I don't think that's anything that should surprise anyone. But, yeah, the OT loss to Coastal Carolina. And, you know, they very well could be because Sanford had them down with 10 seconds to go. They very well could have one of those wins in conference play flip to a loss and then if they don't get that layup with two seconds left to give them the 55-54 win uh, then you're looking at seven consecutive losses until they beat Western Carolina who we've already talked about 71 to 59 I mean that's by no means convincing so ETSU with a strong start with some consistent production out of Brittany Snowden or Alexis Spears you know if they're able to crash the glass snow in the paint because that's not something they've been able to do so far if they're able to limit turnovers which they have been able to do and get to that percentage slash that I always talk about 40% from the field 35 from three 70% from the line you're putting yourself in a great position to move back to 500 in the league so what I've, I've tried to do some apple because they played four non-division one teams which again I can't even believe that's legal but <laughs> I, I've, I've went back to conference only stats because teams are Smart. Om, almost through conference only stats UNCG is the worst field goal percentage defensive team in the league giving up 47% they're the worst rebounding team in the league, and they give up the most offensive rebounds. All of that tells me, and they're 0-9 away from home, that if ETSU doesn't have something crazy go on, they get the ball inside, they should be able to get easy buckets inside, should be able to get some rebounds, some second-chance opportunities, and if they get to 70, this will be an ETSU win. And a chance for Micah Sheets to get back on track, too, because she was averaging 20 points per game throughout the first three games of the conference here put up five points against Sanford and then four points on 0 of 10 from the field against Mercer. So get some more out of Micah Sheets, you know, get some confidence rebuilt, and she doesn't strike me as someone that's going to get down on herself. Go out, take your shot, shoot or shoot, right? Micah Sheets is averaging 10 points per game, and she is known as a shooter uh, despite the fact that she's, you know, shooting 35% this year. A lot of that came – 
Um, those struggles in the Vancouver Showcase, she went 418 during those three games when she was still battling that ankle injury. You take out that stretch and things are looking a lot better. So those two games, put them behind you. It was a road trip. You're back in Brooks Gym, clean slate. Let's remember that pretty much all of this time leading up to early March is a tune-up for the conference tournament. Time to start building your style of play, uh, getting players on the same page, and winning some ballgames. Yeah, and then, uh, if not, again, getting the ship righted, uh, if you will, because you got a chance Thursday with a, uh, to get a winning at UNCG. Obviously, tomorrow, Friday, we'll recap this game, and we'll preview uh, the game coming up Saturday uh, in which ETSU, again, would have a great opportunity to pick up a win against Western Carolina and maybe try to get things going for the back half of the schedule. That'll do it for our preview of men's and women's basketball when we come back. Very special, the, the, the left-footed guy. J.J. German, 60-yard field goals on Twitter with a barefoot. That's pretty impressive. So we'll talk to him about that and about uh, what it was for ETSU. I'm sure uh, talk a little bit about what he's going to do moving forward, a, a couple chances maybe to play professionally as well. Subs out for a timeout. This is Sandos and the Sidekick. Don't forget to download us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Subscribe to the RSS feed. We're back with more after this timeout from the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. McDonald's says they flash freeze their beef. Doesn't sound good to Wendy's, but someone might be into that. Tis I, Old Man Winter, and <clears throat> I'm not a fan of frozen beef either. Don't stereotype me. I prefer fresh beef just like anybody else. I'm only human ish. Skip the frozen beef from the frozen arches and head to Wendy's. Try a Hot Dave's Double and see how fresh, fresh tastes. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Doormark, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics.
Sandos in the sidekick. Jay Sandos steps aside. J.J. German fills his seat. Jay is just about to leave for Sanford, so figured it would be a perfect time to have J.J. German, the long-legged, reliable lefty on the show. There is not a kick I didn't think you were going to make in your entire career. A lot of practice to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, you you are incredible, and I bet it just is, you know, it's not just the 60-yard barefoot field goals that we see on Twitter. I bet there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, I certainly enjoyed seeing those when um, you were kicking them and got to see exactly how long that leg can stretch. But um, what an incredible career it was. You know, we had John during press conferences and ran some of your sound on Sandos and the Sidekick and some pregame shows as well. But just to have you here on Sandos and the Sidekick, uh, excited for the conversation. Thank you. Glad to be here. So let's talk about, firstly, I want to revisit this past season just because uh, it was such a historic one, such a memorable one, and whenever I talk to anybody from football, whether it be Austin Herrick, we have him on every week, or um, anyone you stop in the hallway here on the mini dome, anyone you see over at the field, it's just so fun to revisit those memories. Talk to us about the season in the early going, you know, kind of the transition to Coach Sanders, and then as things started to really build up throughout the year, got realistic in terms of going to the playoff, winning the conference tournament, and how everyone dealt with that, because it seemed like in terms of timetables, everything was pushed up a couple of years from where people thought it would be. Uh, early on, I mean, Coach Sanders just kind of commands your attention, and we all bought in like instantly. I remember the first meeting we had with him, I, I remember sitting there just like, this guy is hes the real deal, and everybody else thought that too. Um, and then we started the season, we started practice, and things started to roll. Practice was a lot more up-tempo, something that we needed. Um, and then, you know, we got through the first couple of games, a little shaky here and there, but we started to find our identity, and we knew that we weren't going to be the best team in every situation. We weren't going to be putting up hundreds of points, but we knew that we could we could deal with, with these tight situations. So that's something that we just kind of embraced. Obviously, everybody calls us the cardiac boys, which uh, I think is funny. I know a lot of the the rest of the team does too but um i mean it's, it's just a fun fun year to look back on because so many games were so close they're so memorable um you know i wish that the tennessee game could have been a little closer obviously that's <laughs> had no effect on us later sure. on in the season but uh, i think that was a great experience and then the vmi game that that pretty much set the tempo for the rest of the socon because we were every game was within what two or three points pretty much and then that just we just rolled off that the rest of the season. Was it more pressure-packed for you? I mean, kicking is a lot, at least I'm going to infer this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, a lot mental. And so many guys can get in their heads when kicks get big mm -hmm. and games are on the line and everything's on your shoulders late. Was that different this year compared to other years, or I'm sure you try and approach every kick the same? It's got to be a bit more difficult when you know that every win means something. I definitely struggled at the beginning. Obviously, the first game went 0 for 2, and that's not that's something I've never really experienced because normally I come in ready to go. I have a little bit of nerves beginning of the season, but that one just kind of opened my eyes. Like, okay, you got to calm down. And then from that point on, every kick was the exact same. It didn't matter how long it was, the location, the time, like in the game. It just depended on getting the ball to the upright. So I think it was – I wouldn't say it's a good thing to miss those first two, but it kind of – Helped me set my tempo, um, which is weird because as a senior, I should have already been ready to go. I think when I look back on it, I probably was trying too hard to impress everybody, which, again, I don't know why because I, if I just kick the ball, I do what I'm supposed to, then sure. there's no problem. Well, I think I may have an idea why. Firstly, when I first came to ETSU a couple years back, 
looked around at the football program and everything. You say, you know, God, there's some good players here. And they're like, yeah, wait till you see this kicker, J.J. German. He's one of the most reliable in the country. And I, you know, watched a couple of the kicks and started to look at, you know, the possibility of, gee, it seems like this guy with the length he has on his kicks, the accuracy, like, you know, is pro a possibility. And so that was, in my mind, like the third or fourth game of two years ago. I imagine that when that kind of conversation goes on around you, I'm sure I was not the only one having those conversations about it. I'm sure that starts to creep into your mind. You start to think about it and then try to, quote, unquote, impress. Were there secrets, tricks that you found that made it so you could kind of block out that noise? You mentioned the first game kind of you know, 0 for 2, but then from there you were good. How did you just flip the switch like that? Well, you always say that kick is a mental game, which 100% is, and you just have to be a mentally strong person. I mean, uh, a thing that a lot of kickers say is kicking is 9% mental, 10% skill. Um, so I just took that law or that miss and just roll with it, just kind of thought about it for a few days, and I was like, hey, it's done. Nothing, we can't do anything else about it. Go right. back out and just start kicking. And I went out, made sure to go through my steps and routine and give for every kick make sure everything is the exact same because the more consistent you are in your approach, the more consistent you are as a kicker. So I just wanted to, to make everything as similar as possible the rest of the season. And I just kind of, I live by that during the season. I go, I'm so, so much of a creature of habit that I just want everything to do the same. I do the same things every day leading up to game day. And then by the time game day comes around, I feel like I'm ready. And that's, that's how I get ready for a game. It starts that Sunday before the next game. So I can put my two cents in and say, oh, I bet it's because you were thinking about going pro. The first couple kicks trying to impress people. I got to hear it from the horse's mouth. Was that in your mind at all? And obviously now that we're past the year, is that something you're thinking about continuing your football career? It was in the back of my mind. Obviously, my goal for my senior year was to do my part. And I think it crept in a little bit at the beginning. That's kind of where those nerves came from. But once I reevaluated myself and told myself, if I don't, do my part for the team and that will never happen so I have to I have to focus on the now in order to get to the future and then now we fast forward to present day and I have an agent I signed with him um, I guess it, it was January but I've been working with him for a couple months before um, he's got a lot of great contacts and then I have also have my first combine coming up uh, I think it's yes, next next Friday I fly out the 8th awesome. and it's the 9th and 10th there's an invite thing from uh, – it's not like a direct team, but the results are put out live for all these different scouts to look at. And then I also have a lot of help from our coaches. Coach Day has a lot of contacts, and he's just kind of putting uh, out there for me. And he, he knows – actually, I picked my agent because he was roommates with Coach Day. Wow. So um, I think that it just helps. I like, I like the bit of a smaller agent. I don't want to be part of the big guys, you know, someone that – works with, say, uh, any any big-time quarterback, I'm not going to get a lot of I think you said big-time kicker. Yeah. You know, the Greg Zerlines, yeah. Justin Tucker, and J.J. German. Yeah. Well, that too. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody always wants the, the big players, like a big D-lineman or a big, a big quarterback. Those are the guys that will help they help them make more money. Right. Even though kickers do get paid a lot, they're not still never going to bring as much money as those guys. Right. So how did this all come about? Was it something that you kind of sought out and said, you know, if I'm going to make the next step, I need to find someone that can get me into tryouts, into combines, has a foot in the door already? Mm -hmm. Is that the main, for your purposes right now, the main benefit of having an agent? Yeah, it's it's just getting that contact. So for the new leagues like the AAF yeah. and the XFL, 
you don't really need an agent, not yet, because they're still up and coming, still sure. new. You know, AAF starts next week. But yeah. um, with the NFL, you got to have someone that knows other people because they got to work. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm still in school. And even if I'm not in school, I still have – I don't know everybody. I don't know a lot of people. Um, so they, they're like the middlemen, and they represent you. So it comes down to who do you think is the most trustworthy and who you think can get your name out there the rest. So did Coach Day tell his college roommate, which is just hilarious, that's how yeah, small the football yeah. world it is, right? Did he say, hey, look, I got this kicker, you know, kind of take my word for it or here's some tape, or how did that mm-hmm. whole process work? Um, well, my agent, his name is Carlos Hornbrook, mm-hmm. he had asked Coach Day if he had anybody that he thought would be good enough to go on to the next level. Gotcha. And he had been telling him, he sent some film, and then the day that I got named a finalist for the Fred Mitchell Award, mm-hmm. when he called me, congratulated me, and that's when I first met him. And I think that you know, everybody says it. It's not how you do in a season that really affects it. It's just how you do these combines. But getting that finalist thing helped me get my name out there right. because, you know, obviously there's a Lou Graza Award for um, FPS, which goes to any of the, the best FPS kicker. But the the Fred Mitchell Award is basically the best kicker from any level from FCS down to NAI. So there's a lot more kickers. So to be even you know considered a top ten guy was was really an honor. But it also helped me get or move forward in my journey. And I think about it this way with kicking, and I kind of, I, I'm going to equate it to some weird things here, but I also think of it from, like, say, Division One to Division Three NAI, wherever kickers are, wherever, again, weird comparison, but swimmers, track athletes, cross-country runners, there's some sports where it really does matter in some positions in sports what level you're at, but I've always thought of kicking the football because what's the difference between a D1 and a D3 guy? Yeah, a little bit of size, but, uh, or sorry, a little bit of skill, but a lot of times it's a majority size related where, you know, guys are just 70, 80 pounds bigger. It doesn't matter a whole lot when you're a kicker. It's about the size of your leg, how far you can kick the football if you can put it through the upright. So I, I've always thought of it as if there's a kicker out there, no matter what the level, they're going to find you. That, that's pretty much how it works. I mean, when you go and look at NFL kickers now, I mean, there's a good percentage of FBS guys, but a lot of them come from FCS or some of them even lower, like, um, for instance, the New New York Giants kicker, he played NAIA. Rosas, is it? All yeah, and he is now, he was like 30 for 31 on the year, yeah. all-pro guy. And it just, that just to tell you, like, it doesn't matter where you come from. It's just how you get seen, basically. So that's right. why having the agent is crucial to get your name out there. And, and then having a pro day, which I think – is in the works here. If not here, then there's other other schools I'm going to try to go to. But mm-hmm. that's really how you get your name out as a kicker. So this combine is coming up. Explain to us a bit more about it because, because it sounds like it's more just like a you're going to be there. There's going to be other people mm-hmm. there, I'm assuming, as well, where scouts can either – do scouts show up or tapes just sent out? How does mm-hmm. it work with this combine? You said it's not for, like, anybody in particular, mm-hmm. but a chance to just put your th- the skills on display. Basically, how it works for the kicking, punting, snapping type mm-hmm. type combine is uh, there's there's two big ones. There's the Coles kicking, and then there's the I think it's Gary's Honor. I'm going to the Coles one. It was an invite only thing. Um, I think roughly 30 kickers, 30 punters, and 20, 30 snappers get invited. Um, so I got the invite right after the season. I was really happy about that. And what you do is the first day is just kind of some little competitions. Nothing's filmed there. Then the next day. How you do in those competitions determine whether you will kick in this the final basically, and that final is on YouTube. It's a live event. Wow. All these um, all these scouts will watch it, and, um, and then from there, that's that's really how the initial uh, 
people will the initial start of people seeing you goes for that and then um i did some more research just to see like how how good it really is and of i guess like maybe 50 to 60 percent of the kickers that are in the nfl now in the past five years the guys that at least had a shot have gone through this camp wow. so i was like well it's definitely an opportunity i got invited to it so i must have done something well enough you know this season so i'm gonna try it out so how have you been preparing? Obviously, during the year, you've got your routine going through week by week and just kicking a ton and doing, I'm sure, some strength conditioning type things as well. How does it change after the year? Or have you been trying to keep your same routine to keep things level, steady going into this big step? Well, I, I always take a couple weeks off after the season, and I knew I was going to do that. Normally, I take like a month, but I took two or three weeks off and just wanted to relax get some uh, blood back in my in my legs, get the get them back under me. Mm-hmm. And then I went straight into to working out. And it's different because obviously when you are playing here, you work out with the team, you have a certain workout you have to do. So I kind of had to make my own. And I've talked with uh, my kicking coach, Dan Warner in Charlotte. He's given me some help and taken some stuff from Coach Johnson, just kind of done the things that I think are the best. And for me, it's working on the quick twitch muscles. So, you know, things that make your leg faster. That's what I work on. Gotcha. Um, and then I also kick a lot, but it's more of the quality of kicking, not the quantity. So I have to make sure that I go out and I may just kick 20, 30 balls, but they have to be good kicks. So I don't want to overkick. That's why I'm trying to stay healthy during this time. Has your agent, have any scouts, anyone that's looking out for you know your best interest, mm-hmm. talked about what you need to get better at, what you need to improve at in order to, because it sounds like you're mm-hmm. looking to go to the NFL, mm-hmm. aiming for that highest bar. Has anyone said, look, if you want to have a shot, you got to get better at this? Uh, the thing i got to work on is kickoffs just because I haven't done a lot here in college. But recently that's the thing I spent the most time on, and they're really starting to get that, I wouldn't say – elite NFL level but enough to uh, get me there um, and they keep getting better each week and that's the thing that I'm happy with because now that I'm kicking these NFL balls I'm starting to get used to that and those balls I don't know why they just fly better you hmm. just kick them and they just go higher they go farther Interesting. and I've really just spent a lot of time just focusing on the steps of my kickoff the slow it's weird you the slower you go the better the ball goes it's right. like it's like golf don't rush um, right. <laughs> yeah exactly so I, I've just been working on that, and hopefully that's that's pretty much the, the thing I had to work on the most and maybe get a little more height on, on my uh, my field goals. That's that's a good thing about having Coach Day here is he has experience in the NFL, so he can just tell me, here's what you got to do, here's what needs to be done better, here's how far you are from getting that certain point, and he's really been a, a huge asset as a coach and as a mentor. I think it's interesting the fluidity of your position mm-hmm. because unlike – any other, it seems like, and maybe all of sports. And I read this on USA Today as well. It could kind of back up my opinion on it. Uh, you're oftentimes overlooked as a kicker, right? You go out, do your job. If you don't do your job, it's the end of the world. It can be the end of your job if you have too many slip-ups, unlike, you know, uh, I'm sure as kickers, if you get around the kicking community, a lot of times this will be talked about, like, oh, yeah, you know, a quarterback can, you know, 50% from – in the pocket or whatever, and they keep their job. You know, they're still starting the next week. I go 50% over a couple weeks, and I'm gone. So it's so interesting. Kickers are often overlooked. They're often completely torn apart. See Cody Parkey from the Chicago Bears in the playoffs. I I mean, it's just incredible. But that also leaves ample opportunity for someone like yourself, someone that's looking to either break into the NFL, someone that's been around the NFL without a job. It's almost like you have to be ready at any given time Mm -hmm. because anything can change in a matter of moments. That's exactly right. I mean, going back to what you said about the quarterbacks, I mean, yeah. 
it's a little different because they get so many chances, right. and if they com- if they complete one of four passes, one of those is a touchdown, then they're doing their job. Right. For us, it's a you know you get one shot, maybe one game. You may a game might come down to a field goal. You can't redo that. Yeah. So obviously our our job is very important because of how little we do it in a game. You think about it. So obviously you want to be the highest percentage you can. And then another thing, talking about you know people moving around all the time. I th- I found it really funny and really interesting. Uh, Matt McCrane, who is he was a free agent going into this year. Um, he was picked up originally by the Cardinals, played there in the preseason, and he got cut. Then he played for the Raiders, got cut from there, and then he played for the Steelers and ultimately helped the Steelers win their final game, which mm-hmm. almost got them to the playoffs. Right. But I, I watched the interview with him, and he said he just had a bag ready to go. He had you know, a bag packed, so if anybody called him, he would just get on a plane and wow. go. And, and uh, it's, it's going to be an adventure if it happens for me. Um, Obviously, I'd hope to be on a team and just hopefully stay there for at least a year. But it's it's the business. I mean, you're going to have to move around. You're gonna. It's a job. Like I said, you, wherever they want you, you're going to be there. And I'm sure you'll be happy to be there too. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I won't complain about catching flights <laughs> over the country. Um, I'm going to give you the chance here because I kind of hit it out with quarterbacks, but there is so much riding on every kick. Every position seems like it is given so much more leeway than kicker. Do you find that to be the case? Yeah. But like I said, it, it's we're kind of deserving of it because, especially like for Cody Parkey, I, I feel bad for him immensely because that's that's a that's a thing he wanted to make. Right. But at the end of the day, if you don't do your job, you can't you can't you know be trusted. I guess so. I do wish that we have more leeway, but it's never going to happen because of like I said how few chances we get. So I always feel bad for any kicker. I never root for a kicker to miss, even if <laughs> I'm going against the team. Okay, I'll take that back. I, I was hoping that Western Carolina's kicker <laughs> would miss his kick, and I'm glad he did. Yes. But at the end of the day, I want him to do his job for his team when he's not playing against us. Right. Uh, it gives you now, with aiming as high as the NFL, which is, I think, the perfect way to go about it, right? Because there's room there, even if you aren't brought in by a team or whatever, to fall down a couple notches and still have a job in professional football. With the myriad of options there are, you mentioned the AAF, which is a uh, fledgling league that's starting over the next what, week, week and a half, I think it is, from when we're talking right now. Then you've got a little bit down the road, the XFL. I think that it seems like things are still being defined in terms of how that league will look, but they want to compete with the NFL, where it sounds like the AAF wants to be a feeder system into the NFL. And then, of course, you've got the CFL. We talked to Austin Herrick about that um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, and we are planning, by the way, to have him back on next week. Uh, J.J. German filling in his spot because, A, there's some exciting stuff going on with J.J., and, B, Austin Herrick still in kind of a holding pattern with this EFL. But um, there's places to go aside from the NFL. So aiming to that level I think is fantastic. But even if you don't meet that ultimate goal right away, there's still room to improve your craft, get up there at some point, while also making money kicking footballs, which has to be exciting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I when I look at it this year alone, I mean, it's a great year for any position, but especially for a kicker yeah. and, you know, with the high turnover rate. If I don't make the NFL off the bat, there's still a chance to make money and play professional football at the AF, which more than likely I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't make it this year because they start. They've already got their kickers. But I could always be – But the nature of kicking, yeah, true, guy misses true. a couple, J.J. Exactly. German, get on the horn. Exactly. So I, I always have that, that option open. And then the XFL is exciting to me because – it, the way it is now, it's like how the AAF was last year. There was a lot of, you know, nothing is fully defined yet. We know where they're playing, what the teams are, but we don't really know what the jerseys look like, stuff like that. That'll come as we get closer to it. But um, I, I believe it's my, my agent has contact with 
the player development, the head of player development for the XFL, like the second in command. Great. And they talked to him, and he wants to come out and watch me kick. So awesome. I, got a, I got a lot of opportunities in the works, and I said I'll shoot for the highest point because the NFL, if you look at the timeline, NFL combine comes first, and the AAF will be playing around that time. And then you have the XFL and the CFL. So I'm just going to shoot for the highest, hopefully get that. If not, I won't be too disappointed because I can always work my way back up. There's truly no off-season anymore with football. Mm-hmm. I mean, before it was like, okay, you know, you've got your spring ball, and certainly being in college, you're always working towards your ultimate goal of improving, getting better, working with the team, working on your own. But now in professional football, as you mm-hmm. transition to that, there's going to be basically year-round pro football where I also almost think and I don't know the feasibility of this, but it seems like it'd be kind of cool if it was possible for you to kick in separate leagues at the same time. I don't think that would be allowed, but with year-round football, if you think about it, it could be something that would be at least logistically possible. That would be true. I mean, football takes a lot out of you, but if you think about it, you wait so long between seasons, it gets it gets boring. Right. And, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody else, but personally, I don't like spring ball. I know other people kind of feel the way, because... It's it's the closest thing to football, but you're still so far away right. from it. So I'm excited to watch how the AAF goes because a lot of people miss football this right. time of the year. So it, it's going to just keep football going. I, I know the Canadian League plays early summer, so that will basically yeah, be a full year of football. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how, how probable it would be to play for two leagues. Probably because, not. It would be yeah, fun, though. Yeah, fun yeah, it, would, it would be really, really cool. It's, yeah. it's a good idea. And, um, I just don't think that NFL team is going to be like, yeah, we're paying you <laughs> such and such money. Right. Go play for the XFL. We don't want you to get hurt. We also want you to be rested as well. I'm just having I'm having illusions of grandeur dancing in my head right now, <laughs> JJ. With, with all the exciting things going on for you, for Austin, I think it's just great to see what's possible and out there. We'd love to have you back on after that combine. Definitely. Yeah, hear, hear how things went and see where things stand. That is the next step, right? You're getting mm-hmm. ready for that, and then you said that's next weekend. Is that correct? Yeah, next weekend. I, so I'll fly out on Friday, okay. and then I compete Saturday, Sunday, and I'll fly back Monday. Great. Well, we'll be in touch then. Uh, thanks for taking time right now. It's super awesome to hear everything. No problem. Out. It was awesome. Thank you. JJ German, ETSU football kicker, at least for the last four seasons. Now he's moved on to things that are very, very intense in terms of preparation with a big possible payoff. Very exciting to hear what's going on with him. Back with more on Santos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying too. Like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. 
Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. One, two, three. Four. One, two, three. Four. One, two, three. Four. One, two, three. Four quarters. One, two, three. Four. One, two, three. Four. One, two, three. Four. One, two, three. Four quarters. Four quarters. Four quarters. Four, 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 four quarters. I have no idea how you make that work. You think it does work? I do. It, it it has it has grown on me. I hate to admit anything that you've done well, but that uh, that has grown on me. I like um, that it got I'm, the seal of approval. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, you know, it doesn't have seal of approval. Well, not Trey, because I know you're all happy and up on yourself last week, Trey Adams. You let off the segment. You jumped right in over us. I think that was a first of its kind thing on Santos and the Sidekick. Uh, keep your mouth shut. All right. I don't want to hear any of it this week. Uh, we are leading off the segment. And you can maybe jump in with question number one. Otherwise, we're just going to make up our own. Is that fair? I think that's fair. The first quarter. Well, guys, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings or, you know, do anything to make you upset. But you know what? Enough with the whining and complaining. Boo-hoo. I talked before you all. Come on. You know, fetch me a bone every now and then. Come on. Fetch me a bone. But anyway, let's do this week's all-Super Bowl edition of quarters. And we'll start with quarter number one. Will Gronk go for more than 100 receiving yards? I I think Gronk will not have 100 yards because of the way the Pats uh, have started to change the running game, be physical, and I think he'll have some very key third down uh, catches. I do think occasional play action on first. They might be able to get him down the field, but I think just the way the last four weeks, the last two regular season games, the playoff games, the way they've just kind of – change the offense I think he will not have 100 yards but I am going to go out on a limb and say he will have a touchdown catch firstly smart of Trey to stand up for himself a little bit because otherwise we will keep walking all over him there's no doubt he hopped in I, I've ignored question. him very, he could keep talking I could care less very smart that uh, that you went in with the questions otherwise I was going to go right back into the segment without you Trey so well done uh I just think New England spreads the ball around too much for Gronkowski to get 
100 yards or more. He's only gotten it twice this year. He's only got 104 combined yards in the playoffs. He's only gone over 100 once since opening weekend. And you've got Julian Edelman. You've got James White. They love to use out of the backfield. You've got Chris Hogan, Philip Dorsett. They even throw to Cordero Patterson in crunch time, which I would never advocate as a Minnesota Vikings fan. But they do it. Uh, and it, at some points, has worked. So I think under 100, but I don't think that's any indication of how this game will go. I still think New England could be pretty firmly in control. The second quarter. So definitely a big matchup between two of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, Brady versus Goff. Who do you think will throw more touchdowns? Uh, that's a good question. I'm going to go uh, – I think Goff will throw more just for the simple reason uh, that once inside the red zone, and uh, New England has been successful just trying to punch it in with the ground game. So um, a, I, I'm going to go the golf will have uh, uh, more touchdown passes than Brady. I think I'm in agreement on that for whatever reason. 32 to 29 in the regular season. Goff had 32. Brady had 29, which seems low, but they do often run the ball when they're right down close to the goal line, and I think they will do that a lot with whether it be you know James White or Stoney Michelle or I think even Rex Burkhead's healthy again, isn't he? I think yeah, yes, Burkhead he is. Yeah, he had the two uh, last two touchdowns. Yeah, so Rex Burkhead, I mean, they've got a plethora of options down by the goal line. So I think that Goff will probably have two to Brady's one if we're getting exact. Uh, but again, that's of no consequence to the game. Third quarter. So this is always an interesting question as well. What will be the first play of the Super Bowl? And will a safety occur during the game? No, oh, this is Trey just being the straight Manning Very lover. Just the lever. I mean, Very just fun. the Manning lover that he is. Listen, I'm sorry that Peyton Manning, the first snap uh, he wasn't ready for, and it was snapped low and rolled out of the end zone or whatever happened there in, in the Seahawks. But that's a once in a lifetime. So, no, a safety uh, will not occur. You probably have a better shot of the opening kickoff being returned for a touchdown than a safety. Well, I think you actually might. Is there a special teams or defensive touchdown to be scored on Odd Shark? They put yes at plus 155 and no at negative 190. Will there be a safety in the game is plus 650 and minus 1200 for yes and no respectively. On the first play, if I remember right, uh, of that Denver-Seattle Super Bowl, the odds of a safety on the first play, I thought it was incredibly... Uh, High or low, depending. I thought it was way too good of a 4,000, plus 4,000. I thought it would be way more catastrophic and outrageous, uh, just huge, up to 10, 12, 15,000. But uh, on the first play of the game, I mean, that, yeah, is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Outrageous you would even Yeah, again, I, I think going back to Cordero Patterson, I would say he's got a better shot of taking the opening kickoff back than he would a safety. Cordero Patterson, some people are saying, is the greatest return man of all time. Are they out of their mind? Oof, Devin Hester, I, Dante Hall? Yeah, I do. First wait, two that come to mind, yeah, right? Yeah, wait, wait, wait too early. Does he have the – Potential, sure, but is he there yet? No. He's certainly a much better returner than a wide receiver. The fourth quarter. All right, guys, that's enough with the Peyton slander, but let's get to the most important quarter, the fourth quarter, your favorite Super Bowl snack. Now you're talking my language. Food. Let's talk food. Pump for this. This is what I want to talk. What are you going to have for snacks? And I don't know. Do you have go? -to? Do you have a go-to? I don't really. Whatever's around but I think that all of these questions in four quarters should have been about food in the first place. Oh, I tried absolutely. to get a food guest on for tomorrow on Santos and the Sidekick. Uh, it has not worked out as of yet. Cross your fingers because it would be fantastic. Um, no go-to, really. All of it's good. I, I mean, you know, you don't get picky. If there's food around, I will eat it. What about yeah, you? I, no, I 100% agree. I don't care if it's somebody got creative and made, like, teen themed foods, oh, which I've been to a, a few of those parties where – 
you know, somebody's maybe done uh, some stuff like like some chowda or something for the Boston or seafood type stuff. Uh, tacos? Who knows? Just I was watching a show last night where they were making fun of everyone loving L.A. tacos that lives in L.A. and no one else caring about them at all. Yeah, I, I don't... It didn't strike me as a place you'd have great tacos. I don't even know. What would you do in L.A.? I don't know, but tacos doesn't seem I mean, like... I Kansas it. City, right? You go barbecue. barbecue the, Memphis barbecue. Yeah, yeah, you go a little Creole down in uh, a Cajun yeah, down, sure. down in New Anything Orleans. the ocean on the East Coast, probably seafood. Yeah. Uh, so, you, the other Chicago couple teams... Pizza. you know, Yeah, sure. New York pizza, yeah. yeah. That cheesesteaks last year for Philly. So I think all the, the, all these Oh yeah, now I'm, now I'm hungry. Uh, you know, we're getting up on lunchtime here, but I, 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 I the theme foods. I don't know. I, I don't know that I have a go-to as long as there's a lot of gluttonous um, something with meat. Where do you stand on the bone-in versus boneless wings? Are you a man? Uh, some have questioned. Then uh, bone-in. Okay. I just, they're so messy. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I mean, oh you know, you're God. Oh, oh my it's gosh. just about all the sauce all over my face. I'm not a great <sighs> wing eater, so it does get everywhere. I have to use, like, 20 napkins. People oh. are looking at me like, why are you using so many napkins? Why are you such a slob? I'm just like, I don't know. There's only bones and sure, wings. You're the fork or toothpick guy? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. I, eat the, no, no. Oh. I, I eat them with my hands regardless. Oh. Or By the way, you need to get the video coordinator, Steve May, in on this conversation. We had a screaming match with, like, two of our workers a few years ago because they ordered boneless wings. Really, he started. I just jumped in on it. He is very anti-grown men. Should not eat boneless wings. Well, I would probably... If they said just, you just call them nuggets. You're just eating nuggets at that well, point. Well, that is, that is a fact. Uh, if there were bone-in wings at the place where the party was, I would probably opt against it. Not that I don't love wings. I just get a little in my own head about just like, you know... Okay, so let's, let's just say... This is great. It, so... <laughs> If there's ten people, let's just yeah. say, and it's uh, it's fifty fifty, girls and guys, right? Okay. Five girls, five guys. Okay. There's bone-in wings. There are boneless wings. The girls. I'm not saying all girls eat boneless wings. <laughs> don't I know, that's don't right. And some don't. I know some that do not. If they, all the girls went for the boneless wings, and all the guys are getting the bone-in wings. You're, you're <laughs> giving boneless. it the not. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's no question. If they're side by side, I'm going for boneless because Is, I feel less bad about it. I do feel like that before you break out all the good food, I do feel like the appetizer should be pizza rolls. I'm sorry. Oh, I, absolutely. Like that's your appetizer leading into when all the good food is. I'm not so much a huge fan of, like, the cakes and desserts. Oh, no, no. I don't want any of that. I don't I want to waste any calories on, on that. That's what I'm yeah, talking absolutely. about. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so All I right. think that, but give me a good nacho. I think that'd be fantastic. Oh Maybe yeah, no, no, no. Uh, yeah. Is always good. Yes, because I feel like it's a Super Bowl party. You should have stuff falling on you, and sauce on your face, and other things like that. Within reason. You have not seen me eat bone and wing. It is an abomination. It is grotesque. I think I want to see that. Okay, I'm that guy. Well, if it's only you and me, I'll do it. But if there's more people around that I don't know, so I cannot video this for our podcast, faithful. Uh, oh, that'd be fine. That'd be fine as long as they're not there judging you live. Anything to get a laugh is fine. But I feel like they'd be laughing at me, not with me in person. Okay. Anyway. I think we should do it. All right, Trey. Well, food talk. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was good. That was good. All right, so you got our previews for the game. Don't forget tonight, men's basketball coverage, seven o'clock, seven thirty. Tap. ETSU and Sanford will be back tomorrow to recap both men's and women's basketball games and we'll preview the Saturday contest ETSU men's basketball at Chattanooga, ETSU women's basketball home against Western Carolina. Big thanks to J.J. German stopping by. We'll catch up with him in a couple weeks. Another episode tomorrow. Santos and the sidekick. Talk it here.